Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, Military Cashflow family? Today, we got a special guest, Mr. Devin Ramos. Um, hey, thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you, um, where you're at and what you do? Yeah, yeah, Dan. Uh, first off, just, you know, thanks for, for you guys having me on. Thanks for all you do. I really enjoy the podcast. Um, and uh, good morning. So I'm an active duty soldier stationed here at Fort Campbell. Um, I live in Clarksville. Um, an entrepreneur and investor. Um, I would say my my strength is business, so I'm I'm always growing like all of us. Um, but I have the most experience with business management and finance, uh, and I also invest in real estate, of course. So uh, I, I'm fairly new still, um, but I love it so far, and and I'm all in. Um, going a little deeper, yeah. So I grew up in a, a small farm town in Idaho. Um, which was really big for me because I learned how to be self-sufficient. And I'd say probably the most valuable uh, skill or characteristic I would say is I learned to become a problem solver. And that, that really sticks with me to this day. Uh, that is, is part of my identity. Um, but yeah, like, like any normal kid grew up, went to high school. Uh, I raced a motocross, raced dirt bikes. So that was really from as early as I can remember till, till, 18 years old. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to grow up and be a professional motocross racer. Um, at some point towards later in high school, uh, I kind of had this epiphany that if I grow up and I race motocross and I'm able to make it and I'm able to get paid, get the endorsements, uh, I don't know if I'll be satisfied in entertaining people essentially. Right. Um, because that's in my mind, that's what it boiled down to. So <laughs> I did the next best thing and uh, I went to university. I went to Boise State University, um, failed miserably. Uh, I dropped out of college first semester. Um, you know, I had these savings that I saved up, a uh, little bit of money I got from, from friends and family, gifts from, you know, graduating high school. And uh, yeah, that was, that was down the drain intuition and cost of living and rent and, and, and all of that. Uh, so I had to come up with another plan and, and I really had the struggle where I wanted to, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I just wanted to serve, uh, serve people. Um, had never really thought about serving my country. That, that wasn't really a thing um, in my world growing up. I didn't, I have an uncle that was in the Marine Corps, but other than that, wasn't a whole lot. So uh, I, I had friends that had family and, and they had done it. They were vets. And I, I just really thought to myself, hey, years from now, um, well, I'd be able to look in the mirror and be satisfied knowing like I didn't serve my country. I'm not a veteran. And the answer really was no. So I kind of, I went all in, um, I depth into the Navy and I did their, their, their SIL program. I think they refer to it as the SIL challenge now. Um, so I did that, but, um, when I got through with it, I didn't, I didn't ship. I decided not to ship. You know, I had a conversation with my dad. He thought it was important that I go back to school he had agreed to, to cover my expenses and, and help me out. So I said, yeah, well, let's do it. Um, start going back to school. And again, there was just a, a struggle inside me. 
and uh, I decided now I need to serve. Um, from there, I decided, uh, you know, hey, I, I just want to be infantry. Um, went to the Army office, went to the Marine Corps office, decided I want to be a Marine. And they essentially told me, uh, yeah, you can, but the only way you're going to be infantry is if you go reserve right now. You know, we only have open contracts. So I thought about it, thought, hey, you know, it's kind of best of both worlds. I can serve and I can go back to school. Uh, the only problem was my my dad wasn't going to pay for my school because I was still, you know, going into the military and pursuing that route, um, which was which was great. You know, it's fine. Um, it, and that's really what caused me to start my uh, it's not my first business, but really my first serious business. Um, so. I come back and I do have the GI Bill to draw from, but I, I needed the flexibility uh, to be able to go to, to, to my courses at school. So initially I was working like three jobs. I was working like nights at FedEx. Um, I was working in the mall on two shifts. I like managed one of those little kiosks. Uh, and then uh, I served pizza. I worked in one of the, like the Sabiro pizza places in there. And uh, I didn't have flexibility. It was like hard for me to make it to classes. I, I had to do night classes and, and so forth. So wanting those two things, really the, the, the freedom of time and the ability to make enough money to uh, get through school was why I started my first business. So that was a, a landscape business. And, and that's really where I got that taste of like entrepreneurship and um, really built confidence in myself that like, Hey, I can, I can do this. Um, I had a few employees, so I was confident that I could bring people together, um, you know, for, for a cause and to accomplish a, a task. Um, so yeah, after that, uh, at, at some point I, I realized, Hey, I want to go active duty. This reserve thing's a little bit tough. So uh, I transitioned into the army and, uh, yeah, I sit, sit here in the army, um, to this day, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's, uh, so you had a long winding, it seems like you had like a winding journey to that discovery of uh, what you wanted to do. And obviously, which ultimately landed you in the army, right? One thing I want to touch on is um, you having that, that, that epiphany, right? Like, hey, you wanted to be a motocross racer at first, which, which is, which is awesome, you know, and that's kind of like every, every kid's dream. They want to be famous. They want to do something that they love, right? But what, what's different is that you said, I did not want to entertain people. I, I had something in me and, and I had a, to come to a realization that it wouldn't sit right with me just to only entertain, but you, you kind of felt drawn to, to serve in some type of capacity, right? Whether, and, and I know you said it wasn't the military at first, but just you having that, that, um, that idea or that epiphany, I think that's, that's crazy. And, and that you did that when you were 18 years old, or that kind of, that was, running through your mind at, at the age of 18? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so it, like all things in hindsight, I think that there's a little more clarity than, than at that time. Um, but as I recall it, yeah, absolutely. So it's just something stirring up inside me. Um, it's almost like, you know, I was selfishly selfless, but I, I didn't know it. And I, I, you know, I have what I call like a servant's heart, right? So I didn't know what the, what it looked like, but I knew that I just wanted to to serve people. That's what brought me um, the most joy. And then, and then, like I said, when I looked around me and I saw friends and um, uh, their siblings and all sorts 
of people that had had now become close to me um, serving and, and talking about it, you know, immediately I was like, Oh, well, there we go. Like that's, you know, that must be like the the next step for me. Yeah. That's wild. Absolutely. That's some uh, crazy insight for like an 18 year old or like just like inner self-awareness, I guess, at, uh, at such a young age. So that's crazy. And I'm sure it seems like that's never left you, right? That, that servant's heart, like you called it has never, has never really left you. Um, so you did that. And then it led you to joining the infantry reserves, which is, that's crazy in itself too. Cause you know, the infantry is always accepting, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so for, yeah. For, yeah. To hear, yeah. To hear you say, to hear you say, yeah, they, uh, if you want to be infantry, you got to go reserve. That's, that's, that's crazy, man. Um, but you did that and you had your first experience um, with a business landscaping. You, you were able yep. to manage some people and uh, then you came back act, active duty. Now, um, once you started um, active duty, what led you to, I guess, kind of where you are now? Was that a, like, cause it seems like you have a lot of like um, inner awareness, right? So how did that play out while you were in the, while you were active duty? Because there's not, you might have self-awareness or, or have like um, a, a strong calling once you, once you join active duty, but at the end of the day, you're going to be given orders. So you're not, you're not able to, I guess, express or act on those as, as freely as you typically would. Uh, so how did you, was that, was that an issue for you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question, Dan. So, you know, really thinking about that, um, I, I almost feel like there was a pause, right? So I get this taste of entrepreneurship and freedom. And, and I recall still this day thinking, maybe I should just, uh, you know, finish up in the reserves, um, not finish college. I hadn't quite finished uh, my degree yet and, and just run this business. Like this could be great, you know, and it can be as big or as small. I remember being happy some weeks pulling in, you know, 600 net profit, $600 net profit. Right. And then, you know, there's triple quadruple that some weeks, but it was really, I was on my own schedule. Right. So um, just having that, it was almost like a pause. Cause then I joined the army and it's, it's full on army. Um, I wanted to focus on completing my degree. So I hadn't quite done that. Uh, so that became my focus and then my job and just, just learning. And I, and I feel like I almost had my, my blinders on. Right. So I just kind of put my head down and I, and I'm like, let's keep going. Uh, you know, in any position I was in, I wanted to give my best and be the best. So, uh, you know, I saw, um, military schools and things like that. So really everything just kind of, uh, I put it to the wayside. Um, I remember though, a few years back having a, a conversation with my wife where we were watching like you know, HGTV, like <laughs> most people do, right? You see the um, house flippers and all like the glam behind it. And really that didn't stick out to me. What stuck out to me was some of the husband and wife teams. And I had this thought again, man, it'd be so cool if my wife and I like controlled our time. And uh, this was like what, what we did. And that was, I, I didn't know anything about real estate at that time. It was just um, seeing it on TV, like kind of planted that seed. So really I'd say within this last year or so, well, so, so let me back up with, you know, I was still financially, um, stable. Uh, I, I, I was good with managing my finances. I did, you know, I, I made investments in the stock market and stuff like that. So that, that never really left me. Um, but I'd say really this last year is, is, uh, with, with COVID and everything like that, 
I, I more or less just hit this point where um, it, it, another, you know, significant event in my life, I'd say, where I was like, I, I love serving my country, but, uh, you know, now I'm married. I have two kids. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And I was like, I, I want freedom of time. It, it really just boiled down to that. I, I, I you know, I had this look, I, I had this deep look in the mirror and then asked myself, what is my most valuable asset? And that boiled down to freedom of time. And so from that, that's really what started stirring these things back up in me. And I thought to myself, you know, my ETS here in, in three years, if I do get out, um, or I could finish out, you know, another eight years and, and get that pension and, and whatever. And then I don't know what that holds, but I thought, you know, I need something else. I want that time freedom. Um, well, let's get this. So just what led me into real estate from that was looking around me as most people do. And, and you see the, the wealthiest, most, some of the most successful people. And th there's this nexus to real estate, regardless if it's, Hey, here's a bunch of money, uh, go invest it for me. Or it's somebody who actively becomes an investor and does it themselves. There's this always, almost always this nexus to real estate. So with that, I was like, huh, there might be something here. And that's what really, um, open, open those doors. And, you know, from there, it was just, education and continuing to expand my mind and, and so forth. And naturally through that process, I became more and more hungry and I started liking this path more and more. And yeah. Dude, that's phenomenal. I like, um, <clears throat> you caught the HGTV bug. I mean, not, not, yeah. not in the traditional sense of, Oh yeah, I definitely want to do that because I see how much money they're making. But you know, you, you saw it through a different lens and it's like, Hey, you know, I want to control my own time uh, with my, with my wife. I like that a lot. Um, uh, obviously I'm doing the same thing. I got, uh, we have some, some very, um, we, we have a lot of similarities. I got, I got two kids, you know, two young ones that are year apart too. And obviously I'm doing this thing with my wife as well, the whole real estate journey slash, you know, financial independence journey and things like that. So that's, that's a uh, really, really cool. It's nice to hear someone else say that too. So I like what you, what you did there. Um, and you, you came to that realization, you know, fell into the, you fell into the, uh, the HGTV bug, you got that caught that bug, but you looked through it through a different lens and you wanted the freedom of time. Right. And that, it seems like you're on that journey now, uh, trying to, um, attain financial freedom, essentially, which is freedom of time. Right. Um, so you got into Absolutely. real estate. So what was your next move from there? Yeah. So I had to come up with a plan. So, um, really, so fast forward, we're, we're to the point where I understand my why. Um, I know the what, what I'm going to do, um, and, and that's real estate. So it's kind of like the, uh, the how. I get into the house, a part of my strategy, right? So for me, it was fairly simple where I have the steady income. Um, I've, I've really lowered my uh, living expenses to the best of my ability. You know, we sold off. We had loans on vehicles, right? So sold those vehicles, made sure we paid cash, um, cost of living went down to where, you know, we were, there's a, a, a certain ratio you got to, you, you know, you got to keep your, you can be super uncomfortable, really low living expenses, or you can be super comfortable, super high. So th th there's a balance, right? If it was just me by myself, I can tell you where I'd go, but I got uh, two little kids and, and a wife. So it was a conversation we all, ha all had to have. So once we, we, uh, we figure that out, um, again, going through that, that, how it was, 
let's generate as much capital as possible and then let's uh, turn around and invest that so with that we started coming up with other ideas uh things that we could do uh, i've sort of always known that i wanted to own businesses that i wanted to be an entrepreneur that um real estate is great but maybe it won't just be real estate maybe it will um didn't know that much uh but that was really the plan from the get-go and then uh through that you know at some point um we had decided my wife and i that we wanted to start a, a cleaning service business again it started out with hey let's just we just want to serve people and this is uh, potentially another avenue um, and as we started writing the business plan and this and that, we realized, hey, we're, we're really set up to serve um, all the investors around us. There's, there really, it wasn't a cleaning service that was well known. Um, if you know anything about Clarksville here, there is, is it's a melting pot of investors. Um, so just naturally is, is all investors do. We network, we get to know people. Uh, we really believe in contributing to our community. So trying to become a part of our community as much as possible, getting to know people through that. Uh, again, we kind of realized like, hey, you know, nobody's doing this. So let's do it. Um, this is really our, the customer base that we want to target. Um, and, and let's go for it. Uh, so that's that's where we we came up really with that plan, with that cleaning business. So that was really the next step. Um, and then in addition to that, um, you know, I started seeing e-commerce blow up and, and really I wish I'd have got into it, um, years ago. Right. Um, actually funny thing, uh, the first business I ever had was an e-commerce business. And I mean, like a traditional, like a real e-commerce business, um, uh, it was, it is actually, uh, going into college from high school, the eBay days. Right. So I actually held inventory. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of sales, but, you know, I had a storefront on, on eBay, did that whole thing. Um, so I was like, Hey, maybe there's some opportunity here. Um, got tied in with a, with a good partner who knew a ton more about it than me. Um, got set up, started doing that as well. Um, and yeah, and, and we really just, you know, that's all additional, additional income. So that just, comes into our accounts and, and we don't even look twice at it. We just push it towards our, our, our real estate investments. Um, so that's, 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 that's essentially the strategy in a nutshell. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, before we go, I want to go back into e-commerce, right? Before we dive too deep into that, there's a couple of things I want to touch on that you mentioned um, that I think are, is extremely, extremely important. And one of the most challenging things is um, to, for a person to do, especially if you're in a relationship, right? We talked about that comfort level, right? That there's there's a gap of, hey, you can be living. So, I mean, you're in the military and, and, and you're, maybe your wife is working or not, uh, regardless of what your level is, you make a certain you make a certain level of income, right? Now, what you, you have a couple options. You can choose to live at that income level, right? If I'm making $50,000 a year, my expenses could also be $50,000. And I can be driving a nice car and I can be doing all these other things, right, that that um, that fall in line with that income, right? Or uh, what like like what Devin was talking about, you can live a little bit below your means or, or, you know, there's a there's a scale basically of comfortability that you can live with within your income level, there's a like a zero to to you know, 10 scale. So, and most yeah. people, especially with a relationship, it's a lot harder because typically 
um, the the spouse typically wants to end on the higher or to live on the higher end of that spectrum. Typically, I don't know about you. Maybe it's a little different yep. for you, but um, what I hear and what I've experienced is uh, most spouses want to live on the uh, the higher end of that comfort scale. If, if ten is living in like a, a mansion or something, you know, and, and driving the nicest car as possible, that's usually the scale, that, you know, the, the side that the the spouse typically wants to err on. And usually the the um, one one spouse is like, hey, I'm good with living under a rock, man. I don't really care. Yeah. Like, as long as I can have that delta be as large as possible and it gives me the flexibility to then do what I want. So my question to you is, how did that conversation go to you and, and are for you? And if if you guys were on two opposite ends of the scale, how were you able to come to an, a happy medium and and give yourself enough wiggle room to then be able to start those other businesses? Because I think this right here is a a crucial uh, point in a relationship, and I think a lot of people face it, and typically a lot of people end up on the higher end of the spectrum, and they don't give themselves enough delta to uh, to invest, basically. So, what are your yeah. thoughts to that, and and how was that experience for you? Man, that's a that's a, a great question, Dan. There's there's a lot to it here. So, I get uh, a, a similar question to that um, in that my my wife and I. Uh, we do everything together, right? And so I've had other investors, you know, kind of ask me, you know, how, you know, I feel like my wife doesn't care at all, like, uh, or, or my spouse, it's, it's it, my husband, right? Um, I'm kind of doing all this and they're more or less like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, uh, if you know anything about going off market, it's huge when you, uh, you convert something, right? And so they'd come home like, hey, I did this, that, the other. And it's like, oh yeah, that's nice. And it's like, no, do you realize what, what, like, this is great. Right. So, I've, so it's a very similar question. Um, and this would be great to dig into, but for me, everything really starts with, with my why. And for, in order to, um, I guess, kind of give myself rules. So I'm a big logic guy. I'm a big reason guy. Um, I'm big on systems and processes. Uh, I think that's, that's one of my, those are some of my strengths, right? So for me to figure that out in my mind, I had to reflect and say, hey, what is important to me? And then I got to hold myself to that standard. So my wife and I have what we call our uh, 10 cornerstones, right? So these are uh, not just values, but parts of our life that uh, we, you know, are, are most important. And we, we say in agreement together, these are most important. Um, I'll actually give those real quick, right? So it's our faith. Um, service, so service to, to people, um, a marriage, family, community and relationships, self, it's, you know, self-sustainment, self-development, fitness, finance, uh, business, and in and, and our jobs, right? So those are the 10 areas of our life. So the first part of that was my wife and I sat down together and we came up with that list and we, we agreed on that. Okay. So once we agreed on that, that was really what we measured everything we do against, right? So um, if I say that, that I value my family, but I'm spending, spending all, all the time at work and I'm not with my family, you know, that's kind of, that's what holds me to that. Because uh, if you look in the list that we have jobs, you know, at the bottom, not to say it's not important, but out of those 10, it is the least important to my wife and I. So that's really the, the first part there, right? That kind of, if you, didn't, if you know much about mediation, um, that was our, our mediator. That's what we went to, right? When we couldn't settle disputes. 
started with that. And then we came up with, all right, what do we feel is a comfortable budget? Um, we delegate tasks. So my wife does groceries. She runs the grocery bill. She manages, you know, the groceries. She does that part of our budget. You know, I do other parts. So I sat down and I was like, you know, what's, what's fair? Where are we at right now? Where do you think that we, we should be? And what do you think we can maintain, right? I got uh, two hungry boys that, <laughs> you know, have caused that grocery bill to go up, but that's, that's natural and that's okay. Um, so we, we put our budget together in pieces like that, you know, what subscriptions can we cut out? Um, what subscriptions do we want, right? Like, yeah, I could cut out Netflix. It's going to save me, you know, $14 a month, but we really use Netflix and we want to keep that. So that's okay. Right. So we put our budget together like that came up with, um, our, our costs. And then we came up with a percentage that we agreed that we would, uh, you know, put in our personal um, checking account to, to be spent, right? That's our spending money. The rest of that was all divided up in, in funds. We have like a vacation fund, um, of course, an emergency fund, right? Um, and then investments. So, you know, for real estate, for uh, starting businesses and, and so forth. So that's really the... Uh, I, I guess the details on how we handled the budget, but, um, I, you know, to answer that question, it's, it's really just sitting down and, um, talking through it and making sure that from, you know, your foundation, you guys are, are in agreement. Um, because if at any point, and it wasn't a smooth conversation, my wife and I went back and forth because to your point, Dan, um, it doesn't have to be to an extreme, but it's always going to be different, right? If I feel that um, our monthly budget should be at 3000 chances are my wife isn't going to feel that. It may be, you know, she feels 2800 It may be 3500 The point is there's going to be a difference. So you have to, you know, figure out how you're going to work through that because it's not as simple as, well, I get veto power or you get veto power. Like you can't do things like that. So, all right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. I absolutely love the 10 values. I saw that on your, uh, on your page yesterday, uh, when I, when I was looking some stuff up and, and I was like, man, that's, that's money right there. That is money. We, we, I do a similar thing with my wife. Um, 
and we pretty much have our goals list and it's 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 not as like just direct as that but it does hit on a lot of those key values where we've identified hey what matters most to us and then we can move we can we can every decision point or any you know disagreement that we have we can always fall back to our goals so there's so i think that is crucial setting goals as a couple and then and then being aligned with each other as far as where you want uh, your goals and your values to be so that that's absolutely phenomenal man um so so i love that and it seems like you guys have gotten together and you, you figured out that that uh scale or, or you know where you want to be at um essentially now you can move from a place from there so um great 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 uh information if anybody doesn't pick yeah. anything up uh, that's the one piece especially if you're in a relationship that's the one piece that i think everyone really, really needs to hone into and rewind that if you need to and listen to that over again, um, really with your significant other. Um, I, I, I can't say enough about yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah, let me touch on that just a little bit more, Dan, because because I agree. I think that that is one of the, the most important things and one of the um, biggest contributing factors to our success so far. So even for somebody who's, uh, who's single, right? Um, you have to sit down and you have to figure out you, you know, they're hard questions to ask yourself, but what is important to you? You know, there, I often throughout life have struggled with purpose and I see those around me struggling as well. I think that's one of the biggest, you know, the biggest things that, that people just as a whole struggle with, you know, what is my purpose through this part of life or was my purpose here in life or why am I on this earth or however you want to phrase it. And so really taking a hard look um, helps you, you know, sort through that and kind of tease out, you know, those details to, to figure it out. So with that, that being said, um, a lot of people refer to, you know, a balance in life, right? Uh, I, I, I tend to think that balance is sort of a, a misnomer, right? It doesn't make sense to me, right? If we think about it in terms of you know, what the balance is and the definition of balance, right? There's no such thing like work-life balance, right? I mean, there's 24 hours in a day. If I spend 12 hours at work, that means I got to spend, uh, you know, 12 hours doing something else. And uh, I don't know about you, but it, it, I don't want to spend 12 hours at work, right? Um, so for me, I think that when, when people say balance, they're really referring to proportion, right? So I think we kind of tend to mix those two up. So for me, I'm huge on proportion. And that's really what this is. That's how I measure my proportion, right? So I have these 10 cornerstones and you can think of it uh, quantitatively in terms of hours or qualitatively, like it doesn't matter. And really it goes back and forth, but uh, it, that's what's gonna tell you the truth, right? So I say, hey, faith is at the top here. Well, how much time am I spending in my faith or contributing to my faith or whatever that looks like, whether that means going to church to you or, you know, whatever. Um, if I, if I got, you know, service to others up there, but I don't even take the time out of my day to serve somebody who's in my direct circle who I could serve like off on a whim, like really, what am I doing? So again, the, the value in setting those out and really saying like, Hey, yeah, these are whether it's my values, cornerstones, you know, foundations, aspects of life, however you want to phrase it, uh, for somebody to do that, that I, I think that is the foundation for massive, massive success in, in any part of life. Yeah, man, I think that's a it's we don't talk about it's not talked about as often, right? Especially when it comes to building success. 
which is the mindset. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to your mindset and your, your why finding your why, like Simon Sinek wrote a great book about finding your why. And he dives deep into, um, you know, once you find that it kind of, it helps you, it helps to, to keep that fire lit. You know, there's, there's motivation and inspiration, right? It helps keep you inspired, which, which keeps you motivated to do, uh, to, to stay along your path, right? Regardless of how long it takes. So, um, I, I love the mindset stuff and, you know, definitely, um, uh, definitely love that you, you touched on that and you were able to expand on that. Um, so yeah, so we did that. We just talked about a lot of mindset stuff and, and we kind of put, move that to how you were able to take that. Right. And then, um, open up the, the maid service made in America, right. With, uh, yeah, yeah. With, the, with your, with your, uh, wife. And then from there, uh, you started getting to the e-commerce. Can you break down the e-commerce a little bit? Like what really is that? And then how, yep. um, I guess what it looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for e-commerce, right. There's, there's different ways to do it. Uh, e-commerce e is, is kind of like a blanket term, you know, now in the, the 21st century refers to, you know, commerce digitally, essentially anything that is not in a, in a brick and mortar storefront. Right. Um, so when I say e-commerce, what I'm referring to is, um, selling on a platform, you know, like Amazon, Walmart, uh, Shopify, um, as a third party seller. So, um, I do right now, Amazon, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at transition into Walmart. Um, but right now it's Amazon. So with Amazon, there's really, you know, two methods. Um, one is either drop shipping or you can do fulfillment by Amazon and they both have, have pros and cons. They both have fees, right? Um, what I do is drop shipping. Uh, and really I have to, you know, thank, my partner for that, right? He's the one that, that, that really uh, set everything up, but we got with a team that uh, essentially it's like a team of VAs, right? To help automate the store. So we give them a portion of the profits. They're the ones that stay up on, on top of everything. And essentially uh, we, uh, we fund it. We fund the purchases um, of merchandise and then we provide the oversight. Uh, so really it's, there's not a whole lot to it. And I think that that's kind of uh, part of the allure, um, but there is a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk going through Amazon specifically um, because they have some pretty strict policies. And um, when you agree, when you accept that you're gonna sell on their platform, you really surrender a lot of rights. Um, you're basically saying like, hey, you know, yeah, I agree to you having this much control. Uh, so it can be risky. Silent partner, Amazon. I hear that a lot. Um, what is drop What is drop shipping for? Let's just give a, a quick synopsis of what drop shipping is. Yep. So drop shipping essentially is where you're going to sell something, but you're not actually going to have to hold the inventory. And what I mean by holding the inventory is you don't physically have to hold it. You don't have to store it and you don't physically have to purchase it. Right. So what you'll do is you'll have, um, you know, storefront, uh, seller, and then you're going to have a buyer. And then in between the seller and the buyer, you're going to have your supplier, right? Um, it can be a, a number of suppliers. So seller, or excuse me, buyer places the order, seller makes the order from the supplier, and it gets shipped to the buyer. So, so I, you don't so, actually have to. 
So I Sorry, buy. So ahead. I'm gonna. I go to your website, right? I go to, on Amazon. A lot of the things, like 99% of the stuff, from my understanding, like 99% of the stuff on Amazon is a lot. A lot of drop shippers, right? So, for example, yep. I want to buy this mouse. Um, I go on Amazon. I look for a mouse. I click on it. It happens to be your storefront, right? So um, I buy the mouse for 15 bucks, and um, basically I agree on that $15 price. You, which is your sell, your your storefront, you purchase that uh purchase that mouse for 10 bucks from someone else or from some manufacturer right and you you that's yep. a five dollar profit there which you split with amazon yourself is that is that a pretty decent um yep rundown of, okay nice yeah nice, yeah nice. you 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 hit it on the right the nail on the head dan um so and there's a number of, of suppliers too right there's unknown suppliers you know really like all things in business it's limitless it's it's it the terms that you negotiate are you know how your business is going to function right so you could i know i know some people that start start up doing them and they'll just find a product that's that's cheaper on like alibaba or something like like that right and then there'll be a, a difference and and that's their margin and that's what they take profits on and then there's some that actually go and build a relationship with a third-party supplier um, and, and do it that way. Uh, uh, sorry, an unknown third-party supplier, right? Like a smaller supplier. Um, so, so again, it's, it's limitless. There's people that <clears throat> will target one product and they'll find the product with the highest margin. And then that's all that they'll push. And there's some that don't really care about margins. They'll just push whatever is, is, is selling. So, yeah. Okay. So I hear a lot about drop shipping and FBA for sale by Amazon, right? I actually had a little stint in F doing the FBA myself, the for first sale by Amazon, did a bunch of research, read a couple of books and things like that, and actually had a had a storefront for a very, very short period of time. Um, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't find a team and well, I, I didn't really find a large team at least. And um, I didn't really put too, too much effort into it. So it didn't really pan out. Um, uh, you know, as much effort you put into it, that's how much of a reward you're going to get for the most part, right? Well, I didn't really put too much effort into it. So there wasn't much, <laughs> there wasn't much reward there. But yeah. um, what what I did learn from it was kind of uh, the, the, the prints are the concept of it, right? And that yep. you can essentially, uh, depending on how much effort you put into it, and if you systemize and make the processes the right way, then you, you can, it can be very, very lucrative. So um, I say that to say that I think that this could be an, a great cash flow method for uh, for service members. I, I typically, obviously, you're doing it right. You're managing a team. Yep. Uh, can you can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Like, how is this something that you know you would think that other service members could could do? Um, and if so, what are some what are some tips that that might help them along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So I think with with most things. Um, any entrepreneur or investor would say, hey, make sure you're educated and you know what you're getting into, right? That's one of the ways that we, we mitigate risk. Um, your risk goes drastically through the roof. Once you start dealing with things you don't know about and you're making decisions based off of knowledge that you don't have. Now, bringing a partner in, bringing somebody in that does know, the completely different game changer. And that would be you know, the direction that I recommend um, anybody go if if they don't have that knowledge base themselves. Um, I look at e-commerce is another, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, right? So it's another way uh, to build, you know, active income that I can then invest in, in real estate. So for somebody that's looking to do that, absolutely. 
I will say the barrier to entry can be high. Um, there's all sorts of programs out there. So you need to find one um, that works for you, one that has an, an entry fee that you can afford, right? And then, you know, I would work through vetting that. There's, you know, with social media and, and things nowadays, there's, there's a lot of marketing hype out there. Um, and so I would just, just make sure you do your due diligence on, on who you're dealing with and what you're getting into um, and the different methods that are out there, right? So there are some like real estate, we got gurus like crazy, I, really any business industry, right? But with e-commerce, there's gurus like crazy as well. And uh, there are some that teach you how to do it yourself. There are some that teach you how to automate your store. Um, there are some that say, hey, I'll do it for you. Just pay me this super high fee. And those tend to be, um, you know, those fees tend to be really high. I mean, if, if you can afford that fee, in my opinion, you're going to be better served putting that into real estate. Uh, I am partial to real estate, of course. Um, so let's, 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 uh, you know, put that out front, but if you, you really are looking to, to get into it, um, yeah, hundred percent, that's, that's the way that you're going to want to go. And you're also going to want to research the methods and then figure out, you know, what you're in is, um, I wouldn't recommend starting a school, uh, a store from scratch, unless you have somebody that's going to walk you through that process and is going to build it for you. Um, or if, if you're huge on sales and marketing, I mean, if you are a sales and marketing guru and you know what you're doing, like by, by all means, but for me, in my perspective, I'm not. And uh, that's, that's a challenge that I didn't have the time uh, to, to put into. So, you know, if I hadn't found the partner that I found, um, I wouldn't be in e-commerce because I, I, I didn't have the time to put into it and to learn this new uh, skill set. right? I leaned very, very heavily on him. So, uh, yeah, just, I want to be transparent about that as well. Um, but again, so figure out, uh, the program that you want, um, how much you can come out of pocket, um, and, and start working it from that angle. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I, I want to, cause right now we're kind of touching on, um, if anybody is familiar with like Robert Kiyosaki's, mm -hmm. the, um, the, man, the quadrant, what is it called? It's called cash flow quadrant. Yeah, there you go. The cash flow book. quadrant, right? You got your, uh, your self-employed or you got your, your nine to five worker, then you have your self-employed, then you have your business, then you have the investor, right? And Devin is pretty much working him, his way through that cycle, or he's already kind of worked his way through that cycle. And he has a little bit in each, in each quadrant, right? And I want to, um, to one, highlight that, but two, talk more about how you are, I guess your, why you chose to do that. So, so typically one person will, a person will go from their W2 income, WT employee. And, you know, some people just might stay in that category and that's it. Right. Um, yeah. Eventually, sometimes some people go into the self-employed, i.e. you're made in America. Right. And then yep. they'll eventually go into your, your business, which seems like to, to me, that is kind of, uh, that's kind of your Amazon storefront because you're partnering, you're not all, you're not doing that only by yourself. Right. And then you got your investment, yep. which is your real estate. Right. So how did you purposely do that? I mean, is, is this a, is this a purposeful uh, thing that you're doing uh, or are you trying to eventually get everything over into the I quadrant or the, the investor quadrant? How, how's that? Can you, can yep. you speak to that? Yeah, 100%. So um, really the latter, the goal is to get 
all the way to the I, with the exception of my military service, right? So I'm okay being over in the E. Um, I like serving my country, and there's no way around that. I will caveat that with uh, I select jobs and I vie for jobs that I have as much autonomy as possible. That is the one thing um, in any interview I've ever done, um, in any sit down with any commander, it's always, hey, what's important to you? Autonomy, autonomy. Like, tell me what you want done and I will get it done. Please do not micromanage me or give me all these crazy constraints outside of your control. So just being upfront about that, I'll always be in the E there, right? But <clears throat> when you're scaling, sometimes, you know, you can jump right into the I, but sometimes you start out in that self-employed and you work your way through. So with, with Made in America, we'll start there. I have every intention, my wife has every intention of being in the I. So we see that not as a business we own or a business that we work in. Uh, it's an asset. Uh, we wanted a uh, vein to be able to serve people. And that's what we created. That's our brand. And, you know, it still, it will always have that personal touch, right? But the goal is to continue to build a solid team and to get to the point where, you know, we're providing just a little bit of oversight, right? Now that proves challenging. Um, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I'm sure like, oh, because it's tough, especially in a service-based business, right? Uh, we have a service-based business model. Um, so it, it's tough, but I know it can be done and we're working through there. And thankfully, you know, my wife is my partner. So I have her, uh, I think that two is better than one, you know, two heads coming together. Um, so absolutely, we're trying to work through that. Um, with the e-commerce, you know, yeah, essentially, uh, I, I got to start out right in the eye. Um, and again, had I not had that opportunity, um, had I not, you know, made the pitch I did to, to my partner, um, I wouldn't be there uh, because it, it wasn't feasible uh, to do it any other way in my mind. Um, so, yeah. And absolutely. we didn't even talk about the real estate, man. Uh, so, but yeah. one, one key thing I want to <laughs> highlight on, because we're going to talk about that right now, but uh, yeah, one thing I want to highlight on is the multiple streams of cash flow, right? Yep. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, um, this guy's got so much going on. This guy's got so much going on. Really think about those, those, there's a few things that, that has been common, uh, in common through everything that he's, he's done is essentially partnership, right? So he's yep. partnered with his wife to, you know, to create something and they leverage the team so that then, so that he has enough time to, you know, continue doing what he wants to do and, and commit hours to all those 10 values that he talked about. Right. Um, he won at his job at the, the E, you know, the employee um, quadrant. He's talking about autonomy. I need time, the value of time. And then his business is also partnered. He's partnered with someone else that, uh, that has some experience and that gives him time, the time available to also research and, and find and figure out the next real estate, you know, project, right? So everything's kind of feeding real estate through multiple streams. Those multiple streams of revenue are trickling our, tr I don't even know how to say that word, but <laughs> they're, uh, they're <laughs> building up, <laughs> they're building trickling. up to, uh, to, so that he can then put that in the real estate bucket. So let's talk about the real estate now. Uh, what, what, uh, when did you start buying your, your deals? Uh, what are you looking at for, um, invest, like investing, are you looking at single family, you're looking at multifamily? What, how does yeah. that go on? Yeah, absolutely. So let me, let me back up just one step on there, uh, Dan. So 
people, people are huge. So I have, you know, three businesses right now starting a fourth business uh, and I have three partners. So absolutely would not be able to do it without other people because, oh, by the way, I also have a full-time job, right? Um, so something that is common for all of, all of our companies and that we lean on and we believe it's almost like a core value is that we value people, uh, systems, automation, and the pivot pivoting, right? So those are the four things that we always are looking at and asking if we're implementing. So at the, it, again, in series, people's are the most important than the systems and automation and, and pivoting. People are huge, whether it's employees, whether it's um, other business relationships, partners, clients, customers, whatever, like having the value um, that we have of, of people is, is I think what has helped lead us to, to where we've gotten. And it hasn't always been that, like, that's probably um, looking through my life's journey. One of the biggest things, cause I grew up, uh, you know, introverted, not that, that, that really matters, but to, really to say like, I didn't focus externally a lot on relationships on other people. So I've gone really from there to where I'm at in life, realizing like the greatest part of life is relationships, right? Um, outside of, outside of time, uh, you know, in the little time that we have, like relationships, that's, you know, um, so, so we're big on that. So I just wanted to highlight that, um, to answer your question though. Uh, so, you know, I talked like last year is where is sometime last spring, this in, in real estate seed was kind of planted in me. Um, but I actually happened to be deployed during that time. So for me, I, I couldn't invest in real estate right now, looking at it in hindsight, I know that that that's not true by no means is that true, but I was like, well, I need to be home. So I started educating myself. Um, I knew that this was something I was going to do. Um, but I had a lot of other things to sort through. So like I talked about some of that stuff with my wife and our strategy and all that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing the, the planning, I guess you could say. Um, so I actually didn't start buying until this year, right? It started buying in January. Um, so I'm focused on, on single family right now. I'm in, uh, in two markets. Um, so I'm looking at, uh, so here in, in, in Tennessee, in Kentucky, uh, looking in Wisconsin and looking in, um, Missouri. So I haven't bought anything in Missouri. Um, I think I would like to, um, but I'm focused on cash flow, And in my mind, those are markets that are conducive to, to cash flow, um, or to higher cash flow, Right. So here, um, the market is really conducive to single family, single families work. Uh, there are multifamilies out there. Um, but uh, I'm focused on, on single families here. Um, I really had a, a humbling experience, I think, um, learning uh, real estate investing in this market. Uh, you know, a lot of markets are tough right now. Real estate is super hot. But Clarksville specifically, like I said, is a melting pot because you get uh, high cash flow and you get the appreciation here. It's just outside of Nashville. Um, Cash flow's been, or excuse me, uh, Clarksville's been blowing up. I think in 2000, I don't even know what the stats are for, for 2020 yet, but in 2019, um, we saw an increase in population by like 50,000 or something like that. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's blowing up here, right? 
there's a lot of, lot of uh, good things going on. So <clears throat> for me, initially, when I started educating myself, I was like, <clears throat> oh, being a real estate investor, that just means, you know, scrolling the MLS and buying, like buying real estate, right? And then, um, of course, like I had a business mindset. So, you know, I, I understood there had to be a certain margin there and, and whatnot. But I thought that acquiring a deal was that simple, right? I didn't realize how competitive it is, especially in this market. So for me, I'm, I'm, I think that my perception is a little skewed. Um, I was like, hey, the way that you acquire real estate is direct to seller and it's off market. And that's really on, the only thing I've ever looked at. Um, here in Clarksville, the way I see it is there's kind of like these echelons of, of deal, deals and deal flow, right? So you got the um, best deal is going to be direct to seller off market. That's your, your best, that's your deal that you're going to get. Next level up is going to be your investor circle, right? Um, investors are looking to offload things. Um, you know, I think it's just natural. There's something inherent in being a real estate investor that you want to help other people. Um, so, you know, just through another investor is going to be that next echelon. And then you're going to have like your, your wholesalers, right? Um, that's like really not, not a deal at all especially if your wholesaler doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, miss, it's, right? it's, re it's really going to be hit or miss, right? And then you got your, your MLS, right? So that's how I uh, would depict this market here, right? So for me, it was always going direct to seller, direct to seller. And again, single family is uh, where it's at for me here in this market. Um, now I had said that I'm starting another business right now. That is a partnership and that is... Um, with my partner who we're focused at a state in another market on multifamily. So that's, you know, something that I, I haven't purchased multifamily yet, something that will be new to me. Um, but I, I look forward to, to learning that. And I will continue to um, acquire single family, but I've, I've kind of had this shift where, um, you know, initially you have to, you have to keep taking action and you got to keep, you know, on that glide path but um, you do have to have some sort of plan. So we put together a rough plan initially, and that was, hey, you know, we, we want to increase our passive income this much. Um, we like doing rentals. Um, we're going to need this many, um, you know, properties or this many uh, single family uh, homes or units or, or whatever, right? For us, it was single family homes. And uh, now that's kind of changed a little bit to where, um, I want a smaller portfolio of single family homes, um, but I'm not going to turn a, a deal away. Right. So um, absolutely. I'm still focused on that. And, but I'm looking forward to getting into multifamily. And then from there uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, sort of my vision kind of to tie this all together. Uh, the vision is, as it stands right now, is within the next three years to be, um, you know, hundred percent financially free and have all these business businesses, uh, stabilized. So that that's, that's really the vision in a nutshell. When I get to that point that will give my wife and I the ability to serve in the capacity we want to serve, right. We'll have that time freedom to do what we want. So at that point, we're not so sure what that looks like. Um, I'm extremely interested in putting deals together. So, um, I, I, I'm learning a lot about syndications right now, um, learning a lot about funds. 
So I don't know if that's, you know, reaching out to, to people I know and putting funds together to help them invest. I don't know if that's um, walking people through, you know, investing in a single family home themselves and showing them how to do it. Um, you know, I know I want to lead people to the water and, and, and help them out that way. I just don't know what that specifically looks like at this, at this point. So yeah, that's where I'm at in real estate. Yeah, man, finding, finding the true end state. So like the, the first initial end state, right, is always like financial independence and freedom of time, right? But then we get to that, there's another layer after that. All right, what do I want to actually do after that yeah. as far as as far as continue to serve people at the same time, you know, uh, generate income, right? So that that's a, a very interesting and I'm, I'm curious to see where you're going to land with that. Um, and for those who, out there who have, uh, who are in that position, they're trying to figure out what to do. And we, we've had like podcast guests, it's ridiculous. We've had the syndicators, we've had the wholesalers, we've had the, the single family uh, turnkey property like Stu Grazier with the, um, like Stu Grazier and um, who else does that? We've had a, we have a, had a few, few other people do that as well. We have the Airbnb. There's just so many, so many strategies out there. There's so yeah. many ways that you can go with it. It's, it's really exciting. I wanted to back up really quick because you know you you unpacked a lot in that last um what we were talking about lastly um and, and i thought it was amazing um one the market's not just crazy in clarksville man it's everywhere dude yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> the interest rate's so low it's it's ridiculous it is literally everywhere in the united states everyone is feeling that um but you talked about the echelons of deal flow, right? You talked about the direct to seller, you talked about the uh, direct seller, investor circle, wholesalers. Um, and I think lastly, you said the MLS, MLS. but, yep. but um, how are you sourcing your deals? Right? I mean, you, you talked about the Clarksville markets crazy, and you, you're going direct to sellers. How are you doing that? Because that sounds kind of yep. like that. I mean, that's exactly what wholesalers do. Um, so are you taking that approach? If so, how, how are you sourcing or how are you talking to your direct to, to, to sellers? Yeah. So each, each one of those levels, um, the way you conduct business is, is, is going to be a little different. Right. Um, so, so let me, let me kind of talk through that and I'll, I'll go top to bottom. Right. So starting with the MLS, right. I've made relationships with, with, um, agents here and, you know, I'm very, I'm looking for the agent that is investor savvy, but I'm very transparent. You know, um, I, oh, really I have no issue. I got to yep. give a really quick plug. That's exactly what we do. And I have an investor uh, friendly, uh, investor friendly um, and military friendly realtor that I need to introduce you to that's in Clarksville. His name is Malcolm Miles. Uh, Malcolm Miles is a very good friend and he's also an investor. And for those out there Perfect. listening that are that's looking for a realtor that needs uh, that needs uh, in your in your area and you're looking for a realtor that is investor friendly in and military friendly, let us know because that's literally all we do. We vet realtors. Go to militarycashflow.com, click on the find a realtor and we'll link you up. Sorry about that. I had to give that shameless plug. It was, it was too perfect. Uh, you're, 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 you're good, Dan. And, and I appreciate that. That's good. Um, I appreciate that you do that because it is extremely helpful. And there are some markets that that works better um, than other markets, right? So being realistic in our market, it doesn't necessarily work that way because um, the, the agents that are doing well aren't doing well selling to investors. And so their time, and understandably so, is better served not maintaining relationships with investors, but maintaining relationships with um, their clients that typically you know, are military or that are coming here 
you know, to work at, uh, at Amazon or Google or something like that, you know. So um, with, with that being said, I was very transparent and said, you know, hey, I got no issues. If you find me, it's going to have to be an off-market deal. You know, let's let's be upfront about that. But if you find an off-market deal, I have no problem, you know, paying any commissions or fees like that. A hundred percent good with that. So it start it starts there. I get added to the MLS list, right? So I'm constantly every day, you know, every, every really every thirty minutes, I'm getting emails and I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Um, and then moving down to that next echelon, very similar with wholesalers. So with wholesalers, it's a little different um, relationship, right? So as a buyer on this end, we're looking at a wholesaler that not only uh, does he know what he's doing, but he knows how to run numbers because you know he's an investor or he knows he knows how to invest. And then does he know how to manage his buyers? Um, I. After, with talking with wholesalers, uh, you know, I have numerous friends that are wholesalers. Um, their struggle tends to be finding buyers that um, are serious and actually do buy. Um, but, you know, I would, I would say in this market, I, I wouldn't think that finding buyers is, is that difficult. <laughs> At least if I knew if I had a property to wholesale right now, uh, I could think of a hundred different people that would, that would buy it from me if the numbers are right. Cause at the end of the day, a deal is a deal is a deal. <laughs> if you got a deal, you're not going to have issues finding money to fund that deal. You're not going to have issues finding somebody to buy that deal. Um, so let's make sure that, that I put that out there as well. Uh, so with wholesaler, you know, I get on their buyers list. I, I kind of, um, have a sort of like process for vetting them, I would say, right? So I figure out which which wholesalers I want to be on their list. So I'm not getting a bunch of junk emails and then um, still getting those. But I, you know, I've, I've, I've never bought from a wholesaler. With investors, uh, that's really, you don't really manage that, right? I don't, I wouldn't say that I, you know, anybody should or that I would target a specific investor is like, hey, I'm going to build a relationship to buy a property with him because those those tend to be un, unexpected, right? Um, more or less, like, you know, I'm in a, in a mastermind here um, with some of the investors in, in Clarksville, and like deals just come out because you know somebody's got a problem and you know somebody's got a solution and somebody wants to buy this particular property with this criteria and somebody has that property with that criteria because kind of like you pointed out, Dan, and this is really the, one of the great things about business entrepreneurship and, and investing, um, everybody's needs are different. And, you know, a deal that doesn't work for me very well might work for you. Um, or it might not be a deal at all. Right. But like, that is, that is the case. So with the investors, it's, it's, you know, just get out there and bring value to people and, um, don't be afraid to, you know, receive the value that, that they want to provide to you. Um, and things may come or, or they may not. Um, and then direct to seller going, going direct to seller, right? Uh, that is where your, your marketing and sales experience, um, it, it really, really shines if you have it. And if it doesn't, well, you're going to need to learn it. So I'm, I'm still learning. Um, for me, there's tons of marketing strategies out there and really you can spend $0 in marketing and you can spend, you know, thousands and thousands in, in marketing. Um, for me, uh, you know, I got a lot of things going on. I would love to, um, 
you know, start a direct to seller a transactions based business. I think that it would be amazing if I could start a business where it is focused on marketing and sales and I'm just getting constant deal flow from that. And I can choose to, you know, wholesale it if the numbers are right, hold on to it and, and save it for my, my portfolio or flip it. Right. Um, I think that that would be great. And I would love to get there. But right now, um, you know, I got a few eggs and a few baskets and I, that's not another one that I could add. You know, if I have had a partner, absolutely. Um, but right now that's not something that I'm looking into. Uh, but with that being said, I have to manage, uh, you know, what I'm willing to put into marketing. If, if I had, you know, five extra thousand dollars to put into marketing right now that I could just throw away. I still wouldn't do it because I don't have the time or the resources to follow up. So that's, that's really a, a, a big part there. Do you have the time and resources um, to, to follow up with your marketing? If somebody else is doing it for you, then yeah, that's great. Um, but if not, you know, you got to make sure that, that you're managing that appropriately. So for me, I went with like the $0. I had heard about driving for dollars, um, right? Cause you need something to generate leads, whether that's pulling lists um, buying lists or, or what, what have you prop stream. I know prop stream is big nowadays. You need to have something to, to generate those leads. So for me, that was driving for dollars and it tends to work. And as I started talking to other more experienced investors um, and those that, that have constant deal flow, um, I have a, I have a, a friend here who's a really successful wholesaler um, so like talking to people like that, they were all big on driving for dollars. So I was like, Hey man, you got something here. Um, and then from that, it's either a, a call or a text. Um, but that is really as simple as that, right? It's, it's driving for dollars, getting those properties compiled and then, um, you know, skip tracing him to get the information and then reaching out to, uh, the seller and, and going from there. Yeah, I think that's the most low cost, but also the most effective way. Because uh, yep. driving for dollars is not usually on a list like those lists that you purchase. They've been as soon as they come out, man. They've been they've been called and they've been you know touched at least two or three times before you even get to them, right? Um, yep. But then when you drive for dollars, it's a different thing. Those are that's that's the uh, that's the real gold right there. But that that's 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 cool. The last thing I want to touch on before we start to wrap up is uh, the out of state, right? So you talked about you got a partner. And you're looking at out-of-state investments, uh, so particularly multifamily. What market are you looking at, looking at, and why? Yep. So right now we're looking in uh, two two markets potentially. Right. Um, we haven't decided on which one, um, but we're looking in Wisconsin. We're looking in Indiana. Um, those are two markets that we feel are conducive to multifamily. So again, um, when we're doing our analysis, we're not just saying, "Hey, I want to." invest in multifamily and I want to do it in this market. It's what market is conducive to multifamily because that's what we want to invest in. If we want to invest in a specific market, then we'd go to that market and say, hey, what is doing what is doing well? Should we invest in single family or should we invest in, in multifamily? So with that being said, the reason we chose those markets is because we have resources already and the resources we don't have we will um, work to build. So I think that's another big thing. You know, there's a lot of quantitative analysis that goes into uh, market research for a lot of investors. And that's great, right? You absolutely should look at, um, you know, the demographics, you should look at 
population. You should look at crime rates. You should look at all those numbers, absolutely. But some of the more uh, qualitative things uh, that you should take into consider consideration for your analysis are, um, do I have boots on the ground there? What type of resources do I have there? Um, and what can I build, uh, especially for out-of-state, right? Because you are forced, um, and, and my partner's out-of-state as well, so we'll both be out-of-state. You are forced to, um, you know, rely on other people so that your team is, is really going to make or break you there. That is absolutely crucial. Um, the team aspect is all of my, um, my assets are, well, they're not out of state now because I'm back in Georgia, but you know, they're four hours away. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, I, I lived in New York and they were, <clears throat> they were hours and hours away. Right. And, but that team is what you're going to have to rely on. Um, in that that team is extremely, extremely, extremely important. Who you have boots on the ground that's actually running the day-to-day -day operations, right? Because uh, you could be thinking something's going on, but obviously you don't have the time to check. I, I haven't been to either any of my properties in over a year, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's good. Uh, so that that's just what it's that's just what it is. I rely heavily on uh, yeah. really my property manager, and I can't say enough about. Uh, uh, Miss Vicky Trawick. If you if you guys need a property manager, I'm <laughs> dropping names right now, dude. Like if you yeah. need a property manager in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Georgia, let me know. Um, I have the property manager for you. She's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and if you need one, if you need somebody in Jacksonville, Florida, I got a good, I got a, a few good people for you as well. So those are my two markets um, right now. But uh, yeah, man, I, I love I love that you know you talked about that. You guys are focused on two key markets, right? And what are you doing to to get the people on ground? How are you building those relationships? Are you going up there talking to someone, uh, or taking yep. some time off and going up there talking to someone uh, and meeting people that way, or are you yep. on bigger pockets, or are you on some kind of other you know a Facebook form like Military Cash Flow Facebook group? You know, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? That? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean. Yeah. I, again, I'm going to stress this people, 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 right. Um, it, it's funny because the more I get to know other people and learn people, the more that I love people. Um, but really it's all people, any good thing that has happened in life, any one of my successes, I guarantee you, if we tear it apart, we can draw it to another person, right? It is, it's not just me. So with that being said, yeah, a hundred percent, uh, I actually kind of forgot forgot the question, but uh, how, go how ahead you, and restate how, it. Yeah, we're just saying, how, how are you um, building that team on ground? Because both of you and yeah. your partner are out of state. Yeah, okay. So again, with, with the people, um, we got references, right? So um, I, I, I joined uh, uh, another mastermind, um, met another individual. Um, and I, I'm actually, this is why I'm losing my train of thought. I'm trying to think of, how I met that individual. So through, it was either uh, BP, I called one individual who refer, uh, referenced me to another individual and then built a relationship with him that way. Um, and then I ended up joining a mastermind. I, I, I can't remember specifically, but through one of those and, and just to be transparent and lay that all out there, right? So I got mastermind here. I'm in a, another mastermind that we do through Zoom. 
um, when, <laughs> when somebody's on a BP uh, podcast and they say, Hey, reach out to me, call me, I do it. So like, I've, it's hard for me to kind of remember where I've specifically met people and our paths have crisscrossed. Right. So one individual I reached out to, um, well, actually <clears throat> Adam Whitney, you guys know, you guys know Adam. He's been on the show a couple of times. Adam. I love Adam, right? Adam knows everybody. So Adam says on a podcast, Hey, call me. So I literally five minutes after that podcast, I message him and say like, Hey, can I call you? And uh, lo and behold, like you guys already know him. You guys had him on the podcast um and so it was just kind of like crazy and then uh, adam's the one that says hey you should you join this mastermind so i get into this mastermind and then we just like constantly crisscross paths right so i just say that to say like especially the you know the real estate investor circles are are huge like there's tons of investors but like at the same time they're still pretty small because you'll meet investors that know other investors especially when it comes to something like bp right um because yeah bp is huge but it's also small enough to where and, and we all have the same mindset where we want to get to know other people so through through that nature you're going to get to know other people yeah so um bottom line is i met another individual in one of those markets um who's actually in that market and then he actually referred us to an, another guy in the indiana market um and and then in addition to that it's just um picking up the phone and calling people so looking at missouri um I have no, no nexus to Missouri. I, I just, you know, I'd heard, I think that would be a good market. Started doing analysis, decided on, Hey, this area I think would be good. And then I just started reaching out to people on, on BP. Um, Facebook is, is a pretty helpful tool, I think as well. Right. So um, anytime I'm looking at a market, I'll literally get on Facebook and I'll Google like uh, Ria um, this city, Ria, this state, Ria, this Ria, that. And then I just, you know, try to get into these groups and try to get to, to know people. Um, so one, it's an active approach, um, trying to constantly get to know people. But the other part of is it part of it is like that relationship that you not you start to build, like you don't know where that's gonna gonna lead to. Um, uh, I wouldn't have known, you know, two months ago that I that I would be looking at Indiana, but through somebody that I had previously met, like eventually was like, Hey, you should give this guy a chat and, or give this guy a call and have a chat. And I did. And that's what, you know, kind of put our eyes on, on Indiana. So yeah, people, people's the answer to that question. <laughs> Great, man. I, I, we got a, I got a couple of people I need to link you up with. I think I know the mastermind group you're talking about based off of what, if, if Adam, you know, uh, gave you the link, I'm assuming it's David's, uh, David's mastermind. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll, uh, I got a bunch of people I need to link you up with then um, in regards to love certain it. places so we can, uh, so, so you can uh, build some more relationships, right? It's all about networking, right? And, and you're yeah. right, man, this, this, um, the community is kind of small, especially if you're talking to like military investors, right? Um, investors in general, it's just kind of a small network. But then when you, when you add that second layer of like, hey, military investors, it's even, we, we pretty much all know each other uh, or, yeah, or know of each true. other at least. Right. So it's um, it's pretty cool uh, to hear you say you're linking up with Adam. But um, I know we're, we're we went over time. It's all good. I just enjoy the conversation. So it's really uh, a great conversation. But I know you got to go off and uh, get some other stuff. For those that you don't know, uh, we get up at 630 in the morning, man, at 630 on a Sunday. And we're out here trying to give you value. Right. So you might see the bags under my eyes, but that's the reason <laughs> why. All right. So um, 
really quick, what is uh, one piece of advice that you would give a service member out there that's trying to do what you're trying to, what, what you are doing? Ooh, that is, that is tough. Um, all right. I'll try to, I'll try to make it one. Right. So identify as a problem solver, no matter what phase you're at um, in your journey, identify as a problem solver. Don't just say I'm a problem solver. Like when you consume that, when you accept that that is a part of your identity, um, you know, a lot of grit, not quitting, a lot of these other characteristics that are mentioned um, are, are kind of like inherent. So what I mean by that, right, is there's really two steps to being a problem solver um, when, when you break it down in the most simple form. And that's identify the problem, what's your problem, and then commit to solve it, commit to a solution, right? And it's as simple as that, right? If you have a problem with a tenant, um, identify that problem and then commit to that solution. So you're going to work, you're going to come up with a solution on how you're going to solve that. And it may be the right solution the first time, or it may not. And if you're committed to solving that problem, you're going to come up with a better one. It might be a 30% solution that gets you through, you know, another month or another two months, and then you're going to circle back around. Um, if you don't know where to go, like you're looking to acquire your first property and you're, you're, uh, don't know what your next step is. Well, like identify the problem. Like what, what is the problem? Do you not have money for the deal? Do you not have deal flow? Do you not have a knowledge base? Like, are you thinking in your mind, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know how to handle this or that. Like maybe you need to touch on your knowledge base, right? But if you can get a grasp of what that problem is, identify it and then commit to that solution, you're going to be good to go in, in, in any situation. Like eventually you're going to make it out through the other side. Um, so that, that would be uh, the, the one piece of advice. Phenomenal, dude. I really, um, I really like the piece that you touched on um, by making that a part of your identity, right? Um, yeah. That make, making, if you're going to be a problem solver, make it a part of your identity, right? Because uh, everything else is kind of going to fall into place. And uh, I, that, that's key. That's, that's phenomenal advice. Um, yeah. So, hey, Devin, you, you dropped some, some, some bombs, man. You've been just dropping knowledge. I really, really enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, thank you, Dan. I appreciate you and Mike, all, all y'all do. And I appreciate y'all, uh, you know, giving me this opportunity to come on and, and share everything. Um, so if your listeners want to connect with me, you can connect with me uh, through Facebook. My name is Devin Ramos. You can connect with me on Instagram um, at the balanced investor. Um, again, that's a, a play on balance. <laughs> uh, thinking it's, it's a sort of misnomer. So at the balanced investor, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you're interested in what our cleaning business is doing, um, at Made in America Cleaning Services on Instagram um, or on Facebook as well, Made in America uh, Cleaning Services on Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Dan. I, I truly appreciate uh, you know everything you and Mike do and the value that y'all bring to everybody through your Facebook group and uh, through this podcast as well. Excellent, man. Thanks so much um, again. Um, all those links that Devin just mentioned will be down below. Uh, so just check the show notes and they should be down there. Uh, make sure you link out with Devin. As you know, I mean, you just heard the story. He loves to network with other people. And, and obviously, you know, those people know everyone else, right? So, I mean, like, we, we all kind of know each other. So definitely build your network, reach out to Devin, and then uh, see what you guys can do from there. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you 
uh, leave us an honest review. We, we actually read those and uh, we make adjustments based off, you know, based off of what we're, what we're reading. Um, also, if you're watching this on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and make sure you hit the notification bell so that you can get these great episodes when they come out. Right. Um, other than that, this is Dan Wynn signing off.